Testing, testing, testing. Okay, guys, it's Bruce. Welcome to Combo Courses Podcast. And today, I don't have an agenda at all. I'm just going to be taking questions from TikTok. I'm going to be taking questions from YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, whatever. This is just advice from a cybersecurity guy. And why is my screen so blurry? Oh, man, come on. All right. Neither here nor there. This is a podcast, and we're just going to keep this one very, very light. So any questions that you have, I'm open to it. I'm going to start off with a question that I got uh, over the weekend, over the week, over the week. And they said, um, without revealing any names, they said, I am I'm a second career, fourth, uh, four year cybersecurity technician um, that accepted a position at a company I won't name global security company and um, as an ISO. Okay. And my last job was more of a system engineer side, but I work as a, uh, in partnership with the risk management framework team. Okay. And, and to get them an ATL. Okay. I'd build the platforms, harden them with STIGs and then use ACAS um, and pass them with an ACAS that I built for uh, from uh, from Department of Defense. Okay, so it's scan it. Uh, then, on compliance side, um, while I never developed a system security plan, I owned a package that started uh, from start uh, from the start of the accreditation. I was fairly involved with the process uh, producing the artifacts and the package. Uh, for e for EMAS, okay, that means like the lists, the the port security list, hardware, software, okay, policy documentation, all that kind of stuff, okay, good, and the po and the poems, okay. So I bought your books and gen and downloaded the templates. Just reaching out to say thanks. Oh wow, I was expecting a question and got a thanks. Um, I think I'll be fine, but I wanted to show up and with some assurance uh, for my employer. Wow, glad to help, <laughs> glad to help. I thought it was gonna be a question, turned out to be just a thanks. And uh, you're welcome, sir, appreciate it. That's why I'm here, that's what I'm. That's why I do this. Cause I used to be in your position, I used to do, I used to be in a place where I was an IT guy and they kind of pushed me in a position where I was doing GRC work and I just realized there's not really a lot of good content uh, about GRC, not like, I guess there's different angles of it. There's some good stuff out there, but it's far and it's far and it's, there's not that much. So I just thought I'd contribute. This is some place in life where I can contribute. So I figured I'd do it and it turns out to be helping some people. So that's good. Um, okay. Somebody asked me junior and major says, uh, is it worth getting a cybersecurity into cybersecurity seeing uh, as it's hard to get a job after getting your degree is it worth getting into cybersecurity? um yeah it really is it's really worth it um it's worth it's it's worth any kind of sacrifice you put into it because in here i'll give you a few reasons why um a lot there's a lot of talk about the economy collapsing or late stage capitalism or whatever right the economy's bad you're gonna lose everything you're gonna lose your money you're gonna lose your job and let me tell you something. There's there's a real there's a justified fear of losing your job uh, or being paid less or laid off or something like. But in cybersecurity, they always need us. 
They always need cybersecurity. In this day and age, unless an EMP goes off and destroys all technical civilization, <laughs> there's going to be a need for uh, a protection of all of our digital information because that's the direction we're going. That's the direction that humanity decided to go is to, to make everything digital. And so we, they need somebody to protect it. Man, this thing's really bothering me. I'm sorry, guys. Let me just let's fix this. It's really blurry. It's really blurry. Oh, my God. It's, oh, that just sucks. Oh, man. I don't even know what to do. Oh, it's this. Oh, damn it. Okay. All right. Let me just get bear with me. This is, oh, now it's even worse. Look at that. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, hold on a second. Let's fix this. It's not going to, it's not cool. We're just going to switch it to automation. Automatic. Look at that. Oh, it's so bad. <laughs> All right, that's much, much better. Okay, let me start over. So somebody asked me, is it worth getting into cybersecurity, seeing how it's really hard to get a job when you get out when you get out of college, you get your degree? It's it's very much worth your time. Um, and the reason why I would say is that um, in light of the economic um, ups and downs that we have. Uh, in the U.S., in the U.K., in in Canada, everywhere, one cybersecurity is one of those careers that's always going to be needed in some way, shape, or form. And not only in your country, but in other countries. So that said, you could literally get the skills you need and go to another country, go to another company, go to another government, whatever the case may be. There's always a need for this work. It's, it's very necessary. And companies and organizations make the mistake of saying, oh, we don't, you know, we'll get to it when we get to it, right? And then they get hacked. And then it becomes an emergency, right? Um, and companies and organizations, small, medium to large size organizations are starting to realize that they can't just wait to get attacked. They have to play the proactive game and, uh, and hire somebody who's pro a professional at this and at the very least hire some henchmen who could put out some fires and that's us that's cybersecurity people so is it worth it absolutely it's it gives you a level of job security that you can't find in in every field and i'm not saying you know you're going to get in a company and they're going to keep you for 30 years no that doesn't happen anymore but what i'm saying is if they lay you off you have many options if you get tired of that position or somebody's an asshole you have you have so many opportunities out there as a cyber with this with this skill set you have so many opportunities. That's what I'm trying to tell you. So is it worth it? it? It absolutely is worth your time. It's absolutely worth your time. And any effort that you take, if it takes you longer to get into cybersecurity, if it takes you longer to get into a high level uh, IT position, it, it's worth, it's going to be worth your time. I promise you that. So um, then they said, um, it's hard to get a job after you get your degree. Um, I would say yes or no depends on what you're trying to get yourself into, right? I would say yes in that a lot of people don't know how to get into it, and they think they think it's something that it's not, and that's really what gets people trapped, trapped and hemmed up. Um, I'm trying to give you a picture of what it is so that you, this doesn't happen to you. Um, there, there's a lot of crazy ideas about what IT is and misconceptions about what cybersecurity and GRC is. And I'm trying to clear that up. Some people, especially if they're coming from outside looking in, they think that 
uh, IT and cybersecurity is what they see on TV. And I promise you it's not. I promise you it's not. It's not any of that. I remember when I was a cop, when I was a police officer, when I was an MP. I don't know if you could. I was a I was a military police officer. And uh, I remember when we went to the police academy in the Air Force. And uh, <laughs> a lot of people thought they were going to be like Starchkin and Hutch for the old heads out there. They thought they were going to be... Um, for a newer version of Starsky and Hutch's uh, bad boys. They thought they're going to be busting down doors and shit blowing up and then walking slowly off uh, into the camera, right? No, that's not what being a police officer is. You know what I mean? <laughs> I say all that to say it's cybersecurity and IT, same thing. People have a misconception of what they think it is, and it's just not. And I'm trying to clear that up for you. Um, the best way to learn it is to talk to somebody who knows? So talk to somebody who's on the inside like myself or talk to somebody who like a geek. There's some geeks around you who who uh, those guys you've been bullying and stuff in school, those guys that you would never date. Those guys who are, are a little bit too pedantic. They talk a little bit too much about what they about uh, about uh, Star Trek and Star Wars. Those motherfuckers. Those are the guys you need to talk to. <laughs> those are the guys you need to talk to. They will give you the inside scoop of what this is all about. They'll tell you what's really going on with IT and cybersecurity. You know, from an insider's perspective, that's what you really need. You need to know the lay of the land before you pursue this because it's not for everybody. You know, it's really not. It's really not for everybody. Uh, let me see. I got some other questions here. I'm just gonna, this is gonna be kind of loosey-goosey, guys. I'm just gonna answer questions. That's all I'm gonna do today. And it's, it's open forum, very informal. And Ashley says, do you have a schedule template on how uh, how you conduct continuous monitoring for the year? That includes a schedule of co uh, of coordinating with engineers and supporting artifacts. Ashley, yes, um, I do have one. And that normally comes from the organization, right? They They're normally the one... Right in the organization I'm with, I'll give you a couple of examples of how that how it usually works as far as continuous monitoring and their scheduling. So the place I'm at right now is a federal organization. And they when I say they, the decision makers, leadership um, are the equivalent of our CISO. They put their heads to his their office, put their heads together and said, look, here's our schedule of when we need to hit the security controls and each each system we have a multi many systems each system has its own schedule of when we need to hit those controls when i say hit those controls what i mean is um conduct an assessment on them on like a, a, a uh, internal assessment and check them out like look making sure that in the um the Implementation statements are correct if you are in EMAS or Exacto or, or whatever system you, you happen to be working on. Or if you are happen to be working on that, God forbid, on a spreadsheet. Um, the, the information in there has to be accurate. If you're talking about um, AU controls, um, are we still doing AU control? Are we still using uh, ArcSight as a back end to suck in the logs and then are we still monitoring them do, does our SOC team still do that on a continuous basis is the implementation statement accurate is the data accurate in there uh, are the policies up to date has has our organization looked at the policies and reviewed them properly have they has the um, CISO 
CIL, whoever signed off on it recent within the last year. Those are the kinds of things we're doing with continuous monitoring. Of course, the technical things. Have we conducted a scan on, on our systems? Have we, um, um, are the procedures up to date? Uh, things like that. So that's what we're talking about when we're talking about continuous monitoring. And there is a, there is a, um, a schedule for those. My system has a schedule, its own schedule. And then they, they push that down to me. They email it or we have a meeting and say, look, Here's the controls we need to hit for this time frame. You got one month, two months, three months to do it. And then here's the next set of controls we're going to hit. Or here's the next set of systems we're going to scan at this time frame. Um, by the way, uh, here's the scan from the previous quarter or whatever. So my last organization I worked for, federal organization, they also had a schedule. And we, I was a part of creating that schedule. So I would sit down with uh, the rest of my uh, our GRC team, and we would come up with like a breakdown of when we're going to hit one set of controls and then when we're going to hit the next set of controls. Or sometimes it would be like when we're going to scan these group of systems or these group of servers, and we would come out with that schedule through from one part of the year to another part of the calendar year. So um, that said, what you can take from that is that your organization has to do the same thing. It shouldn't just be you. And if it's just you coming up with that schedule, you should be worried because that means they're they're kind of putting everything in your lap and they're not doing things. It's it's a team effort, right? Cybersecurity is not just the, the ISO. It's a team effort. It's supposed to be. Um, and you said, let me see if I answered this correctly. You said conducting continuous monitoring for the year, including schedule coordinating with. Yeah. So. Whenever we schedule it out, it does, we do take into account who do we need to talk to? Like, for example, your PE controls, right? So our PE controls are our physical controls. And so those are controlled by, let's say, uh, a common uh, common control provider. Um, and then maybe it's a, some kind of security unit. And um, I've got to coordinate with them to figure out if they've updated their part of their policy. Um, for example. So that might be a part, that might be something I would coordinate with them uh, when I did do that, when I scheduled those uh, controls to be monitored, to be um, examined. Um, yeah, so that's, uh, do you do you mind sharing? Um, we don't have them at, at my organization. So um, this would be something the way you would do it, Ashley, what I, what I would recommend. This is just a, just a recommendation. Right. And, and this may not fit your I don't know, you know, what's going on with your organization. But what what you definitely want to do is is be inclusive with this. Don't do it by yourself. It's one of the mistakes I made early on in my career is I try to go it alone, you know, and try to do like a diehard Bruce Willis going through a building, clearing everything out myself. <laughs> No, this is not a it's a team effort. Cybersecurity is a team effort. Don't don't try to don't suffer alone, as they keep saying in my organization at work. Don't include more people. Right. If if you know, you know that you need to have a continuous monitoring plan. What I normally would what I would do if I were you is I'd come up with some solution. I draw up some kind of solution of how we could do it. Right. Something reasonable, like maybe we. We scan this set of control, these this set of systems in this part of the year, and then we address them in the next part of the year. 
or we we're going to review in this part of the year. We're going to take three months to review all the documentation, right, to make sure it's updated, to make sure we coordinate with the, the firewall team, for example, to make sure that uh, portions of the of the uh, documentation is accurate. Right. Or still relevant. Like, are we still even using Palo Alto uh, firewalls or whatever? Right. Just making sure that the the law, the uh, the documentation is accurate still. And for that, we do need to coordinate with other people. So come up with some kind of plan on you could do like draw up like a draft of a plan of on your own. of Like, here's what I would do. Like, this is the best thing for for us to do based off of our organization. Next thing you want to do is pull in up some peers. If you have a co best case scenario would be if you have a peer, uh, a coworker, and who's working on the system with you and say, look, we need to do continuous monitoring. What do you think about this? Right. And then let them look at it. And, and at some point, you're going to have to pull in some managers. At some point, you're going to have to pull in managers to, to look over what you've had to say here. Like, here's what we're planning on doing. And here's how we want to do it. Right. Uh, and at and at some point, you're going to have to bring in others, like maybe if you are doing uh, IA stuff, like you're doing um, identification and authentication stuff, you have to go talk to the system admin team um, to get their their take on some of the the language that's in the implementation plan, for example. Or if you have to update the plan of action and milestones with different statuses, you got to go and coordinate with them. So you're going to bring in other stakeholders as you go along. But you're going to have to get their, your teams uh, sign uh, their endorsement of your idea. And the reason why I suggested you draft something first, because I I don't know about you, but I don't like when people come with, with, to me with problems and, with no solution and they're in panic mode. I'd rather than be prepared and say, look, this is what I what we're supposed to do in accordance with 837, blah, blah, blah. And here's what how we can do it. What do you think? Right. And if they have different and they're like, no, we're going to we should do it like this or we've been doing it like this. And that's fine. But at least they're addressing it. And then you guys can start working on it. Right. So I hope that that makes some sense. Just don't do it. Don't do it on your own. Don't make that mistake. I've done that. It's very stressful. And then if and the thing is, even if you're brilliant and it, it's a great plan and it's just like you woke up in a fever dream and and it was a lucid dream you had about how you can perfectly do it. And then the shit goes wrong. They're going to blame you. So one part of security. Is is accountability It's a very big part. Right. And it took like I said, it took me a long time to learn this. Accountability isn't just on your shoulders. It's on everyone's shoulders. It's on the whole organization. As a matter of fact, the more people who step up and take some ownership of that system, of ownership of the organization, the more people who step up, the more secure the organization will be. But I've been in organizations where they try to put all that shit on one person's shoulders, and it's usually a security person. And it ends up being that the security person's like a fall guy because they're waiting for shit to go down. And then when it does, they kind of blame that person. That's that's horrible. It's a horrible situation to be in. And if I were you, if you happen to be in that, man, get 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 out of that situation. Don't ever allow yourself to be in that situation. And if you happen to be right now, put your resume out right now and look for another position. There, there's tons of jobs out there for you. They're not the only show in town. 
But if they're like, yeah, you know, we just need ideas. We're a team. We're going to get this done together. That's great. That's that's good. Like if as long as there's it, you don't have to agree with everybody's ideas. But if everybody's taking accountability together and saying we will get this done, then that's that's the kind of attitude you want to have. Um, that's the kind of organization you want to be involved in. All right, let me answer some more questions here. And Ashley said, thank you for sharing. It's it's challenging also because we have three portals, um, but not necessarily uh, not necessary for all SAs, um, system administrators, uh, as well as a 620, okay, I don't know, OPRD. Okay, you must be in DOD. <laughs> but so it's like DOD is all kinds of acronyms. They're about them acronyms, man. Um, okay, uh, let me see if I got any other questions in uh, in um, TikTok. Okay, somebody said, I'm a computer science student looking to get into cybersecurity after, during college. Any advice? Yes, if you happen to be a student, I, I get a lot of students watching me and uh, smart. You guys are very, very smart. You're very, you're, you're meticulous. You're looking at your future. And now you're on this call with me, you're on this live with me, and you're in love because I'm about to give you some valuable information. It's going to change your entire life and possibly the life of your family and your kids and your kids' kids, maybe. Here it is. While you're in school right now, while you're getting your degree, start getting experience right now. It's the experience that's going to win the day, not necessarily the degree. The degree is going to kick down that door for you. But the thing that's going to win the day, it's going to be the content. The content is king. The content is your experience. Get the experience now, right now. Do not wait. So what I mean by that is there's many ways, right? And all you, after I tell you how to do it, all you have left is excuses if you don't. So listen, um, number one, if there's a way that your organization, your university, your, the institution you currently work at, uh, or the institution you cast you you're currently learning at, right? Whatever organization you happen to be in, they have an IT department. Try to get a job there right now while you're a student. That's one thing you can do, right? It's probably the best case scenario. Now, if you can't, don't you know? No need to get your panties in a bunch. What you need to do is go and see if they have a program. Nine times out of ten, the organization you work for, even if you're not doing IT, the organization you're learning at. The school, university, community college, whatever, vocational school, wherever you happen to be, has a program to get people to do IT uh, from within. They usually try to pull people, talent from within their organization, right? It's just more beneficial for them than to go out, have a headhunter, go out and find somebody they don't even know, pull them off the street and, and try them for 90 days. It's easier for them to, to, to contact the students like, hey, students, we need somebody to help us re-image these systems. We have a working student program. Why don't you come in here? Or, hey, uh, I know you you guys are working here at Taco Bell at the front of the um, taking orders and stuff. But listen, we have an IT department. They have a, a career page that they're looking for IT people. They have sometimes programs that are looking for in-house people to cross-train or to laterally move from one career within that organization to another, right? This is your best bet. Start where you are. Uh, for you students out there, you have so many options, not just um, finding work there, 
working student programs there that where you're helping, even if they're having you do voluntary work, because that experience is golden. That's the stuff you're going to put on your resume. Okay, not not just that. They also for you students, they have internships, they have apprenticeships. You just got to look for it. So look for it. And if you can't find them at your university, guess what? They're online. You can go to LinkedIn. You can go to um, name, name a job aggregator and they have it. All you got to do is type in IT and then filter by um, apprenticeships and internships. And they're looking for somebody who's working on their degree because they're hoping that you will be a great candidate to stay when you do get your degree. So it's actually a win-win. It's a win-win for you because you get that experience. And it's a win-win for the organization because they get a smart person like you. Um. So, yeah, Amy, uh, Ashley is saying Army, Army cyber recruiters heavily. Army cyber is recruiting heavily for those interested in cybersecurity. Absolutely. And Army is not the only one, by the way. The Army is doing it. The Department of Homeland Security is doing it. The Department of State is doing it. I'm constantly getting emails about them trying to recruit people to pull people in because they can't get enough young people to do this work. Hell, they can't get any enough IT people to do this work because they're competing directly with Google and Facebook and for all this talent. So they have to actively imagine that the government actually actively going out and trying to find new people to come in and work with them. It's the truth. I'm constantly getting bombarded with these. Now you need to take an active role and get that experience before you even get out of school. Before you even get out of school, start working on it. That's how you do it. Lisa said, Bruce, can I work with you? Um, actually, one of these days I might, I might have, I might take you up on that offer. Um, I'm at and being completely serious. <laughs> I might take you up on that offer. Um, right now. Uh, don't have the, don't have it, but it's very soon. But if, actually, if if you happen to be an instructor, if you happen to have some uh, skill set, um, if you don't mind teaching, maybe you can. Uh, I can show you how I've been able to make some money on the side doing courses. If you guys are, if there's anybody out there who's interested in creating courses, I'll help you create the course. We can split the cost, split the time, split the resources split the income that's going to come in from it. Just reach out to me at combocourses.com, uh, contact at combocourses.com. And hell, you have to work for me. You could be an entrepreneur and we can work together, right? I just don't have the cycles. I don't have the time to do as much as I would like to do, but I can show you, I would be more than willing to show you how I've been able to do it. Now, if you're doubting, if you're doubting, doing courses uh just so you know i've made over a hundred thousand dollars just doing courses now that's over the course of about four years but think about it if i had more time to do it if i had more resources if i had more help how many more courses could i make how much more could i push out but you got to be willing to risk some time you know it's not for everybody that's for damn sure otherwise everybody would do it um I want I want remote cybersecurity now. Well, I could tell you what I've done. I'm I've been working remotely doing cybersecurity for hell since 2014. It blows my mind that I've been doing it that long. 
and that is 2024. <laughs> Holy shit, I've been doing this for 10 years. Is that right? I've been doing this since 2024. I've been, yo, check it out. I've been working remotely doing cybersecurity for 10 damn years. You might think it's luck, but it's not. I had to work to get this. This is what you're looking at is a lot of hard work. A lot of hard work, guys. Um, but I was persistent. And you can do it, too. I think you can do it even better. I mean, after COVID, so many things. Oh, I was doing this before COVID. So, I mean, now it's way easier to get remote work. Before, it was hella hard. It was hella hard, y'all. Now, it's more organizations are open to it. They're open to flex work and 100% remote and all kinds of stuff has opened up. So, it's way easier nowadays. I mean, I can't even sell my damn book anymore on that. Because it's too easy now. <laughs> Before it was hella hard. But uh listen, you can do it. Now you can do it. Like I've got a whole book that breaks down how I did, but I, hell, I'll break it down for you right now. Um, first of all, you should realize that it's not gonna be easy, even now after COVID and now after everybody's doing it these days, it's just not easy because it's very competitive, right? That's the reason why everybody wants to work remotely. Another thing I would say to you is don't uh, just call me uh, just call me solo. OK, listen, another thing I would say is don't limit your options to just cybersecurity. Open up your doors to do any number of IT things. Now, I'm not telling you to do something outside of your wheelhouse. I'm just telling you include IT, cybersecurity, um, if you happen to be a database guy, a firewall guy, whatever it happens to be, open up your doors wide, right? Because there's many, many options of, of other than cybersecurity. Um, so open up your horizons. Next, realize it's possible. It's 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 more than possible. I've been doing it for ten years, uh, over ten years now. Crazy. I just can't even, it blows my mind that I've been doing this that long because this used to be a dream for me and I did it and I'm still doing it. All right. How do you do it now? Now, how do you do it? Tighten up your resume, number one. Tighten up your resume, okay? When I say tighten up your resume, if you want an example of that, uh, you need an ATS style resume. If you if you want to get a, a sample of that, you can go to combocourses.net. You can download mine for free, but you can also just go to LinkedIn. And look for other people's resumes, whether you are in cloud, you're in GRC, you're an IT professional, you're a system admin, whatever you happen to be. You need to look for other people who've put their resume out there on LinkedIn and examine how they've been able to do it. OK, look at their profile and copy what they've done, not word for word. not telling you to lie on your resume because I'm doing this for the long haul for you. I, I want you to be in there for the long haul, which means you can't lie in the resume because you're going to be in an interview if you do it how I'm telling you how to do it. So if, if you lie in the resume and you happen to be sitting there in front of the interviewer, you have to bullshit your way through the interview and you don't want to do that. So that's not what I'm telling you to do. I'm telling you to take the skills you have and make them and, and make them sound like what you actually did. All right. And if you want an example of that, like I said, you could download my resume or check out other people's resume on LinkedIn um, and check out how they did it. OK, now let's I'm assuming that you have a great resume. I'm assuming that you followed my resume 
my beautiful, perfect resume that's been getting me jobs for the last my entire adult life um, and has allowed me to work from home for the last 10 years, <laughs> making over six figures, by the way. Um, if you followed all of that stuff, I'm assuming your resume is dope. Um, on the top of your resume, what you want to do is tell them you're looking for remote work. You can use the following keywords in the top of your resume. Um, remote work, work from home. Those are the best two. I, any, I wouldn't stray from any. Those two are the best ones. Those ones are going to see if you're if you're open to it, flex work even better. If you're open to that, like if you want 100 percent remote, say remote, 100 percent remote. Looking for looking for 100 percent remote, looking for work from home, period. Full stop. That's one sentence that you need to put on the top of your resume or on the top of your profile. All right. Um, a, another thing you want to do is note any time within your resume you've worked remotely. Now, you might be thinking, Bruce, I've never worked remotely. I work from an office. Well, not exactly. Most of us have worked remotely in some shape, way, shape or form. Now, let me explain it to you. So if you have most organizations have a site, an alternate site that's somewhere else, you've had to do uh telecommunication with your with your group with your peers with your bosses even so you want to note that you've done projects um remotely you've done full blown projects using this tools that you need to do remote work which is things like um maybe you've had to do uh use rdp you had to remote into somebody's system you had to um coordinate in meetings like i said before uh, using Zoom, using Teams, using whatever, right? You want to annotate whenever you've done that. And the reason why is because you, the people who are going to hire you are going to use these and rely very, very heavily on these types of tools. So they want to know that you're comfortable with them, right? I'm not telling you to lie. So, oh, yeah, I've worked remotely uh, for five years. No, I'm not. that's not the way you word it, right? You just simply put in there that uh, the project that you worked on, what you did, using teams using zoom calls using like you you just want to annotate that the tools you've used for the trade uh of doing remote work right it's kind of a sneaky way to get the remote work stuff in there like even in the interview if they ask you have you ever worked remotely before well i worked from an office and most of our work was done remotely like we had we had several sites all around the world and we so yes in in a manner of speaking I've, I've not worked from home, but I've done a lot of remote work with my coworkers around the world at my last two, three jobs, whatever. Right. So that's to let them know, hey, I'm used to not seeing a face. I'm not I'm used to not being in the office and being very, very productive. Right. So now we've tightened up your resume. We put in there that you want remote work. Now comes the heavy lifting. You need to put that shit everywhere. Um, and this is something I say damn near every week. You need to put that shit everywhere. It's a it's a numbers game after that. If your resume is tight, you put you got the keywords for the thing you want to do in there. Now it's just a numbers game. And what I mean to say mean by that is that you need to put it everywhere. You need to put it on every single job site that you know of. Um, you need to be very, very aggressive about it. And you just don't stop. And I'm going to warn you. It does work. So you will get a ton of calls. Now you got to screen them. You have to screen them. 
um, because not everything that you that are going to people are going to be contacting you, emailing you, calling you on your phone. Not all of them are legit. Not all of them, not all of them are going to be people you want to work for, to be honest. So you need to screen them. You're going to be interviewing and screening them just as much as they're interviewing and screening you. Screening to see if it's even real or something that you're in alignment with. Right. And that's very quick because some things are going to be in another state. Some things are not going to offer you enough money. Some things are going to you got to be picky because you're going to get so many different offers. Some things are going to be flat out fake. Um, So you got to screen and then comes the interview process. It's this is the hard part because you're going to be battling, competing against a ton of other applicants who are going after the same position. But you got to be persistent. If you want to work remotely, it's it's it requires way more work than a normal job to get way more. If you if you don't have experience, let me put it to you this way. If you don't have experience and you're just coming off the street doing I.T. or cybersecurity or whatever, and you don't have, I would say, at least a year of experience doing basic I.T., I wouldn't even entertain the thought of doing remote work right now. I would not even entertain the thought. I would try to get a local job doing IT for at least one year. And, and that is being very generous. At least one year uh, of, of getting your hands dirty, fixing computers, being in this field, knowing what a ticket is, knowing basic shit. That's what you got to do first. Right now, if you happen to be in IT already, you happen to be a help desk person, you have to be a customer support technician, taking calls, walking people through how to reconnect their system, whatever. If you um, happen to know what an IP address is, an internal IP address and an external IP address, if you happen to even a GRC person, if you happen to be a policy person, you've been working with companies for quite some time, but you don't know how to maybe fix a router, but you do know how to get somebody an ATO, I'm talking to you. You can be working remotely, you know, and it's worth your time to do it because it's been awesome. It's been awesome. If I wanted to, I could still work in an office. But I've been doing this for 10 years and I'm not I'm not ever going back to an office if I if I can help it. All right. Let me see. What are your thoughts on getting into data privacy? I don't have any technical background. What are my thoughts on getting into data? So data privacy is a part of everything we do these days. Cybersecurity. If if you'd say cybersecurity nine times out of 10, that includes protecting PII, personally identifiable information. So it's a part of what we do all the time. In fact, if you're in IT at all, you are in effect having to protect PII, people's personally identifiable information. So what I think about it, it's a part of cybersecurity and it's never going to return to anything other than that. Um, it is a very, very, very important part of cybersecurity. It's a huge field to get. Cybersecurity, like I said, is very, is very, it's lucrative. It pays you, right? Now, if you don't like IT, you don't like computers, I know I, I, some of my coworkers have flat out told me, I hate this stuff, but it's paying them. It's paying them so good. They're able to do, take the money and do other things they like to do. So, Anyway, um, you don't have any technical background. Okay, let's focus on that part. That's a very important bit um, that some people kind of skate over. Listen, if you don't have, you want trying to get in this field and you you see, you like what I'm saying, you like the song that I'm singing here. Listen, 
you got to get the experience, the knowledge first. Number one, get the knowledge first, right? Number one, you need to know the common body of knowledge of information technology. That's the that's the number one thing you need to do. First, very first step. You can't do anything else uh, aside from that, right? Um, and when I say that, I mean the common body of knowledge. That means like the basics of information technology, the basics of fixing computers, the basics of how what how computers work, uh, what is a server, what is a workstation, um, all that kind of stuff. The basic basic stuff that you need to know that first. Then you can start working on the hands on portion. Right. And I don't I don't recommend anybody skip this. Now, tons of people do, but I recommend that you start building a lab in your own house. It's going to do a couple things. It's going to help you to understand all this stuff better, but also. It's going to. Um, it's going to give you a taste of what you're in for, because you might not want to do this. You might not want. I know I say that a lot, but I'm serious. You might not want to do this. And this is not for everybody. Right. OK. It's like uh, it's like those. People who say they want to be a doctor and then as soon as they see blood, they pass out like this is not for everybody. You know, it's it's very. There's no blood involved. I would say there's rarely sweat involved, but sometimes there's tears. <laughs> it's emotional, like it's people get very emotional in cybersecurity, which is why a lot of very smart uh, people in this field don't get into it because it gets a little bit. It's a little it's kind of gets. It gets a little emotional sometimes. Um, you have to deal with all aspects of the organization. You've got to deal with your upper level, C-level execs who think they know everything, right? And you got to very quickly, you've got to have, you've got to have your vocabulary together. You have to have your shit together and you got to be very brief and put everything in executive summary for your C-level execs. And if they're assholes, then you got to swallow so much pride, especially if they're dumb assholes. <laughs> um, and then there's upper level management. You got to deal with managers. Managers are just trying to get stuff done. Those are the foot soldiers who are managing other people getting stuff done. Those are their mid tier managers who have to talk to the upper level C level execs and follow the mission of the organization and give people all the tools that they need to get stuff done. So you got to know how to talk to them. Um, and then you've got to talk to the actual people in the field. And that's, I mean, you've got to use a different bit of language to talk to the technical people that you do to talk to the management people that you do to talk to the C-level execs. And then sometimes you even have to talk to the client. And so you're dealing with different kinds of assholes with different asshole situations. You know what I mean? So... <laughs> No, I mean, not everybody's assholes, okay? Not, not everybody's, but you got to be prepared for that because they do show up. And I'm just kind of toughing you up for the hardest part, which is dealing with the assholes. Nine times out of 10, nine times out of 10, they're not assholes. People are just trying to get stuff done. And you're dealing with mostly people who just want to get through the day and get their job done. So they're not going to be assholes to everybody. Um, they're just trying to get their stuff done, right? So, But you've got to be able to communicate with them in, a way, in such a way that things get done. And that's where the cybersecurity part gets hard because the cyber, the firewall guys don't normally have to worry about that. The, I don't know, IPS, IDS guys don't really have to worry about that, right? They can just go in a closet, fix their stuff, and then they're done. They don't have to talk to anybody the rest of the twiddle their thumbs, whatever the hell they do the rest of the day. Um, 
I know because I've I've done that. I've been the op, I've been on the operator side where I'm all I'm doing is fixing computers and playing whack-a-mole all day. And I've been on the side where I'm an analyst where all I'm doing is just watching a screen all day, waiting for incidents or creating content to, to get the incidents or whatever. Um, and then I've been on this side of the house where I'm a GRC type guy and I'm talking to all these different levels of the organization. It's emotional sometimes and people get in their feelings, including myself. It's like you, I've got to check myself sometimes like, damn, when, when, when people's livelihoods at stake, it just, you know, it tends to get people a little bit in panic mode and livelihood. What I mean is like some of the stuff, you know, if, if the, if the organization got attacked, and they can lose millions of dollars, then that's a problem. If they they really, really need this security report tomorrow, right, or they can't get this contract with this other organization, then that is, you know, that is a puckering situation that they need to get through. So that's what I mean. Okay, let me see here. Um, I probably completely messed up that one, but let me see affordable grc certifications um i would recommend if you're trying to do certifications don't think about affordability think about what you what you think about your long-term gain right think about the long term think about the journey don't think about the money you're about this you're investing in yourself and that shouldn't investing in yourself shouldn't have a, a limitation so find a way that said comptia security plus is one of the best ones you can do for grc if you're if you're worried about your pocketbook um you still an iso yes i'm currently an information system security officer right now as we speak i'm i go back to work on monday it's gonna suck <laughs> is it possible to get a grc role without a degree yes Without certifications, yes. Um, I ask because a program making these claims. Yes, there are, LV. There are organizations that will hire you as a GRC person with no degree. There's some that will hire you without, without a certification. Um, the one thing they'll get you on is experience. The one thing I would say that they'll get you on is experience. Like if, they, if they're going to take you without you having a degree or certification, normally they're going to expect you to come in with some kind of experience. I, I think that I'll give you an example. If I had no CISP, if I had no degrees, I'm so sure I could get a, a job doing some kind of ATO for the government because I've just done it so long. If I just had my skill set, if there's one thing I would keep, if I had to drop everything else, it would be my experience, my skills and my experience, because that's the one thing. If I put it on a resume and they put me in an interview, I'm going to I'm going to get the job. Because I just have a lot of experience starting new systems, finishing new systems, doing continuous monitoring. I could talk a person through the entire process of what to do from scratch with no notes and no Google. Um, that right there is invaluable. So yes, these, these organizations, they do exist. I mean, these jobs do exist. Um, they're not going to pay as much. Uh, well, it depends. Like if they're looking for a person with a lot of experience, then they'll pay the shit out of you. But if they're looking for somebody to just come in off the streets, so to speak, 
from another. Let's say you're an IT professional, you are a help desk person, and they're they're willing to take you with no degree and no cert, and they're they're willing to take you, but they know that you have experience uh, in IT. Then yes, they'll. It just probably isn't going to pay as much as a a position that does require a degree. I'm just being honest with you. Um, there are exceptions. Sometimes what organizations will do, it sounds crazy, but what they'll do is they'll say, listen, we need you to have this certification. This will happen to me, actually, one of my jobs. They said, we need you to have a CISSP. Can you get it in six months? We'll hire you, but this position requires that you have a CISSP. Can you get it in six months? And I said, hell yes. And then I proceeded to not get it after they hired me. <laughs> no, I mean, I got it, but it took me like a year to get it. Um, I didn't get it in six months. But yeah, yes, to answer your question, it does exist. Um, I'm a computer science student that wants to work in cybersecurity. Any advice? Is my degree worth it? Yes, 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 yes. So... In this field, in cybersecurity, what the headhunters are looking for typically, as far as degrees are concerned, for your job descriptions and requirements that require a degree, normally what they'll do is they're looking for a STEM degree, right, with experience. They're looking for experience first, number one, experience. Um, it With experience, you can have a freaking liberal arts degree, like you could have a an Egyptology degree. I've seen it. I've literally had one of my coworkers had a damn Egyptology degree and he got the job because he was experienced. All right. That said, the ones that the, the degrees that they're looking for are STEM degrees, computer degrees first, and then STEM. STEM is science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. One of those. Um, they, they're highly respected, but they're going to, they're going to expect you to know your stuff when you come in come in the door. So you're going to have to know a little something. You, you, you can be exempt from the perfect degree. You can be exempt from, um, from the perfect certification, but I'm telling you experience comes first and knowledge is, is without exception. They're going to expect you to know some stuff about computers. If you have a, maybe you have a bioscience degree or something. Uh, chemistry degree or something. They're still going to expect you to know some computer stuff <laughs> if they hire you. That's why I said, hey, Bruce, how you doing? Um, let me see if there's any more questions over here on YouTube or Facebook. Um, let me see. Somebody's got the death note, the death note icon on here. Um, let me see. Somebody said, Michael says, Hello, I want to ask how many years of, ex of IT experience would a person need to transition to cybersecurity? It depends on the position. Um, I've seen people with very, very little IT experience come into a cybersecurity position. Um, there, they, are, they do exist. Any kind of IT experience is going to help you out. Um, it depends on the position, though. Like if I sit here and say, oh, it's going to take you two years. Um, that's not necessarily true because some jobs will take one, eight months, two, three months. I mean, some take um, no experience. They do exist. They're, they're not, you know, you're not going to find them everywhere, but they do exist. Right. 
How many years? I would say on average. It really depends. I can't sit here and say, oh, it's going to take one year, two years. Um, the most important thing I would say, Michael, is any experience you do have, make sure you you emphasize and highlight the cybersecurity aspects of your of your experience, of your IT experience. This is what something that a lot of IT professionals do not do. Um, they just don't know. They just don't know, right? So what you what you gotta do is go through your resume, your ATS style resume. If you don't know what that is, you can go to combocourses.net and download mine to get an example. You can also, if you want like wording, you can go to LinkedIn, look at other people, how they word it and stuff. Cybersecurity professionals, how they word their experience. What you're gonna want to do is focus on all the, the security things you've done. Loading patches, updating operating systems, uploading applications, uh, updating, updating applications, updating cyber uh, uh, operating systems. If you've ever worked with any kind of cybersecurity tools, such as scanners or IPSs, IDSs, firewalls, any kind of tools, NMAP, any kind of pen testing tools. If you've done, if you have done any of that, but you've done, um, you've, you've locked systems down before. Those are called security controls. Like maybe you've actually implemented security controls that are in a line with NIST 853A or 853 or uh, CIS controls. Um, you might have done things for PCI compliance. You might have done things for HIPAA. Those are things you want to put in your resume. But a lot of people who have IT backgrounds, they just don't know any better. They just don't, they just don't put that stuff in there because it's more important that they uh, – it seems more important that they installed – Windows 19 server or whatever, right? And in cybersecurity, yeah, that's cool. But what did, did you secure it? Did you harden the system? How did you do it? Those are the kinds of things that you got to put on your resume. So I can't answer the question. I don't have a hard and fast one year, two years, three years, what you're expecting. You have to look at the job description. They'll tell you how many years they, they want and, and then go from there. But the most important thing, though, is to put on your resume what security things you've done. Um, let me see. Um, let me see here. TikTok. Isaiah says, I'm planning on obtaining my Security Plus, my Network Plus, and my Azure certs. Would, would it be likely to land a job? Just getting certifications won't land you a job. Um, I don't think that that's a popular thing to say these days. All the gurus are saying, oh, get the certification, you know, take my course and then you'll pass the certification. Um, I'm going to tell you the truth from an insider's perspective. What they're really looking for is experience. Then you shouldn't start crying or panicking about that. You could just get the experience. Um, I'm not telling you not to get certs. Certs are great, especially cloud certs. Get them. But what I'm telling you is put experience first. Get hands on. Do projects. Um, if you get in an interview, be able to tell me, I've been, I've, I know exactly how to use Splunk. I know exactly I've used it before. I've used it. I, I set up a lab and I set up my own. Um, you got to get your hands dirty. The best kind of hands dirty you can get is working for an organization. Even if it's for free. Uh, even if that organization was your college, um, you want to be able to get some skin in the game, so to speak. 
And that's getting your hands dirty and getting experience. The most important thing you can do is get experience and put that shit on your resume. Is the most important thing you can do. Everything else is 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 kind of is kind of uh, frosting on the cake, right? The cake is experience. The frosting is the is the CISSP and the Security Plus, and the 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 Network Plus is like one sprinkle dropped on the cake. The network plus. Okay. Anyway, let me see. Um, I'm a security. I'm a. I'm a computer science student who wants to work at. Okay, I think I already answered that one. Um, what are your thoughts on getting into data privacy? I already answered that one. Hundred percent accurate. Okay, going to get a job at my school IT department this summer. Oh, that's great, man. I love to hear that. You're on your way. I'm still in school and I did an internship with the feds. Now they are willing to train me. Okay, here you go, Armani. Listen to this, guys. Listen to this. If you happen to be a student, listen to what I'm about to tell you. Listen to this testimony from this dude on TikTok. He says, he says, I'm still in school. I did an internship with the feds. That's the federal government. That's Department of Homeland Security, Department of DOD, Department of State, whatever, right? He needs to name it. And he says, and now they are willing to train me to do risk management framework. So this dude's about to be set up to make an easy six figures doing risk management framework for the federal government. And they might even give him a GS position, which is one of the most secure jobs you can have in the United States is a GS position. It doesn't pay great. There's pluses and minuses with everything. But it's going to be a very secure job. And they probably have the best medical care in the United States, which is which is saying something. Okay, let me see here. Um, and a friend of mine, actually, he got an internship at his school. And this dude, I mean, when he gets out of the school, he's going to have a degree. He's going to have like three years of experience working at the school, you know, being a help desk guy. He'll be able to level up very quickly wherever he's at. Somebody said, hi, sir, do you think a what do you think about cloud engineering as a career? Cloud engineering is the shit. It is the shit. It is cloud engineering, cloud, any kind of cloud work is hot as hell right now. And I thought foolishly that it'd just be a side thing. It turns out every person on earth has to know it. <laughs> I mean, damn, it's every damn where and now with this freaking ai shit most ai is on the cloud ah yes it's good learn it i have to learn it myself um armani says i thought i was going to go into digital forensics in my internship and got thrown into risk management isn't that always how it works i love it Information security officers just got to learn to be technical. Yes, yes. Man, this guy, man, I'm always blown away by some of these people. That's great advice. Like, this guy's really in there. He's he's absolutely right. So um, a lot of people have a misconception that you're going to be in digital forensics or you're going to be a hacker or pen tester or something. Because that's what you see on TV, right? This is what you see in the movies. Um, all the smart guys are doing all that stuff. It's very sexy, and they have, you know, Angelina Jolie being a hacker or some shit. Literally, like the movie Hacker in the 1990s features Angelina Jolie 
as a hacker. Now, I don't know. That's the most ridiculous bullshit ever. Anyway, neither here nor there. But Angelina Jolie is a hacker in the movie Hackers. Um, and that's just bullshit. That is just bullshit, right? It's not what it's just one part of cybersecurity. And hacking, by the way, is not flying through a computer using 90s graphics. You know, it's boring. It's it's a it's a it's a black screen, and you're doing um command line interface for, for 20 hours. You know, it's not fun. It's I mean, no, it's fun, but it, it's not like it looks on Hollywood. It's cool. It's actually when you really get to know it, it's beautiful. It's actually really cool. Um, but anyway, so I digress. <laughs> it's not all hacking and digital forensics, right? You're not going to be, what was the movie? Hugh Jackman. Uh, what was that movie where Hugh Jackman is a freaking hacker? It's not going to be like that. It's just not. This is not CSI, digital forensics and stuff like that. It's just not fun. It's not, it's not like that. It's uh it's a boring job that's gonna make you a hundred thousand dollars a year and allow you to take care of your family and pay your mortgage. That's what cybersecurity is. And it's not all hacking, it's not Angelina Jolie, it's not Hollywood, it's not freaking Hugh Jackman, it's people like me, it's like it's people like myself who are high school dropouts <laughs> who don't look like that, right? So, and it's not all, it's, it's, so when I say it's not all hacking, it's risk management framework, it's uh, compliance, it's, me, it's doing meetings, it's, uh, and another thing Armani said that I really like, he said, uh, being a GRC person, an information system security officer, a lot, a lot of times we are focused on the policy aspects of it, but, and, and kind of light on the technical aspect, and really we do need to know a little bit more about that other side. That the hacker side, the digital forensic side, and the cybersecurity analyst side of it that really does help you in this career field. So, all right, thanks, Armani. That was great. I like that one, man. And Armani says, also, guys, note when you're working in a an agile environment, if you do daily stand up scrums, um, that can are can be articulated in your resume. Um, that agile uh, methodology. Yes, absolutely. This man, this man's in the game. This man's in the game. He's spitting some crazy game right here. Um, some of the project management stuff really needs to find its way in your in your resume because that's what all the large organizations are using right now is the project management uh, methodologies like agile and tools like Jira and tools like. Um, um, methods like Scrum and all that kind of stuff. If you know that stuff, if you work with it, make sure it finds its way on your resume, either in the skill listing or somewhere peppered throughout your experience or anywhere like that. Put that stuff all over because they're employers and headhunters, technical recruiters are looking for that kind of stuff in your resume because they're using it in there. They, they're looking for stuff that people are using in their organization to do whatever work. Um, let me see. Somebody said, um, when they ask us for eight years of experience with ISO, um, would you be able to lie, um, but know the skills? Hmm. 
I've said it before. Don't lie on your resume. Um, especially in cybersecurity. And the reason why I emphasize this and I'll stick by that is that when you get in the red, think of it long term. OK, think of this as a it's a journey. This, this is a journey that's going to last you a long time. You're going to be doing this for a long time. Now, listen. I, I understand, like, you, you might be in a tight spot. You really got to get this job. Um, and that's why I say use the numbers game. Don't I, I don't recommend lying on your resume. I think that you should go the numbers route. What what? Let me explain what I mean, okay? I understand you got to do what you got to do, all right? So you as a man or a woman, right, I can't tell you how to, how to run your life or whatever, right? You got to do what you got to do, and I don't blame you. To be honest with you, hard knocks life. You got to do what you got to do. I'm not telling you not to lie for a moral reason, for ethical reason. I'm telling you not to lie because that's not the best play. The best play is the numbers. And let me explain what I mean. So listen, number one, get the knowledge, get the skills. That's something that you control. You can do that totally. You may not have eight years of experience, but that's what they're looking for. Tell them how many years of experience you actually have and match yourself up with organizations who are looking for you. Usually, a little trick is that they're, they're not – sometimes they'll say eight, but they'll take four. You know what I'm saying? They're saying eight. They, a lot of times their requirements is the most ideal candidate that they could possibly get. They're aiming for the moon. They're trying to get 100% of everything they want out of those employees. But you might be a C, a C plus. You are C minus. They're looking for A plus, right? What I'm saying is a couple things. Tell the truth on your resume and come correct. And line yourself up with people who are looking for you. Number one. I'm not telling you to make a shitty resume. I'm telling you to make the best possible resume with what you have. Now, if you're if if you had a year, if you had okay, listen, okay, if you had eight months of experience and you want to say a year, I mean, come on, right? But if you have eight months of experience and you're trying to say you had three years, that's probably going to come up because the reason why I tell you don't lie is because with these cybersecurity jobs, right? That's what we're talking about. They're going to contact your previous employers a lot of times, and they're going to ask them about your resume. They're going to have your resume in front of them and say, hey, has, has uh, Kendall done X, Y, and Z? Oh, and they were there for three years? And they're going to be like, uh, no, Kendall was here for eight months. And they're like, okay, well, Kendall's a, a liar. <laughs> you know, or, or they're going to ask you at the very least. They're going to be like, hey, Kendall, like I said, I, we saw that you have eight months of experience. Like, could you, um, do you mind if we contact your employer? Right now, if you have something in with your employer and your employer is going to say you had three years and okay, I guess you can say whatever the hell you want in there. Right. But I think that it's better to be truthful. And I'm not saying that so you can be good or moral or whatever. Right. And, and obey the 10 commandments or whatever. I'm telling you because the best play is to be real. And it's a numbers game. So you be as real as possible. You align yourself with people who are looking for you. And then you put your resume everywhere. Everywhere. 
every if you put it everywhere, you're gonna get calls. You're gonna get emails. You're gonna be people messaging you. You got to be aggressive. That's the numbers I'm telling you to play. And not embellishing, lying on your, not lying on your resume. I don't recommend that. I just don't. I don't recommend it. If it's a couple months off, I mean, come on. If it's years. You work eight months and you're saying four, three, five years. No, don't don't do it. You don't even want to work in an organization where you had to lie yourself in there. You just don't. Do you want to do that? I mean, I don't. I personally don't want to be there. And they're like, well, this person has he this person, the most senior person there. They have we all have a year of experience. This person has he says he has eight years of experience. Well, let's let's rely on him to do all this stuff. I'm like, no, like, I don't want that kind of pressure on me personally, but um, that's just me. And you you guys are grown ass adults. You can do what you want, what you feel is the right thing to do for you and your family. And who am I to tell you how to what to put on your resume and how to run your life? I'm just telling you what I did and what worked for me. I was truthful on my resume. And I put that shit everywhere. Even when I have four years of experience doing IT, that's what I put on there. And I put that shit everywhere. I put it on Dice, on Monster, on um, Career Jet, on, uh, I don't know, Simply Hired, on Indeed, on LinkedIn. I put it everywhere. And that's how I got, the numbers is how I got these jobs. The numbers. I played the numbers game. I don't want to, I don't want to waste my time trying to lie my way into a one position when I have, when I can play the numbers game and get myself uh, so many more opportunities, I want to spend my time uh, sorting through opportunities and and filtering out the best, uh, the word, the you know, trying to get the to the best opportunities. So that's just me. Okay, okay, let's see. Hmm. Hmm. Jonathan says, are there part-time cybersecurity jobs? Part-time, yes. And so this that's why I was saying before, like it's a numbers game. So if you if you tell the truth and you come correct with your skill set, here's another little trick. You could work two or three different jobs. You can work, you can work two jobs. Think about it. You can work, and people are like, oh, I don't want to make no 60000 Well, what about? What if you had two lightweight sixty thousand dollar jobs? What if you had one that was sixty thousand and one that was ninety thousand? You know what I'm saying? It's a numbers game. You can work two different jobs, making over six. You can do really well telling the truth, playing the numbers game. Are there part time jobs? Yes, there are. You know what I'm saying? But you gotta have the skill set to do it. If you lie your way into one stupid ass position. You might have cost yourself three or four other really good ones with the skill set that you actually have. Being who you are. Does that make sense? That's that's all I'm saying. Right. I don't I don't want to have two different jobs. I got too much other stuff going on. I got some side business stuff going on that I don't have time to do. Um it's called overemployment, doing more than one job. I've done it before. And man, can you get paid doing it? Yes. Yes, you can. <laughs> okay, let me see. 
Um, Larry, how about my, my man, Larry? How you doing, sir? How are you doing, Larry? He says, um, hmm. Would that mean suggesting multiple different styles and types of resumes, not just ATS? Um, well, Larry, what I've done is I all my first of all, all my all of my resumes are ATS style resumes because all that means is uh, all that means is um, application tracking software. So that means that it's the resumes that I make are compatible with the organization's database. They have a database of 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 um, resumes of empl potential employees. And when they pull in your resume, if it is in a certain format, it's it can easily be absorbed into their into their system. And then when they're sorting through potential candidates for a position that they lost, they'll, your name, Larry, will come up and be like, OK, Larry, is he, he's just dude's a PM. He's got three years of experience. He's got a security plus, blah, blah, blah. OK, let's call him up. And they'll call. I get calls from people. I've, I'm in databases from like four years ago. And people are still calling me whenever they lose somebody, the, a position needs to be filled. They'll call me and I'm not interested. Right. Or whatever. I'll pass it to my newsletter um, or whatever. So I'm getting opportunities all the time from. So that's anyway, that's what an ATS style resume is. But what I will do, you bring up a really good point, because what I will do is I'll have two resumes that focus on two different jobs, skills that I have. And so at one time. I was both a GRC guy, which I still am, and I was a cybersecurity um, analyst. Two different jobs. One cybersecurity analyst focuses on like a, it's like a SOC analyst. It's like um, and I, that's not telling you anything. They they basically look at all of the potential um, security incidents that are coming into the system. They look at logs all day long. It's shift work, and you're looking at logs, and you're you're trying to see if anybody's trying to infiltrate the network or if there's a virus on the network or if there's some kind of security incident, somebody doing something they're not supposed to do on the network. You're just kind of like a police officer, an IT police officer looking through all the logs, monitoring everything, making sure nobody's doing anything. So insider threats or whatever. And if there are, then that's a security. That's the incident. And then you have to let you know, you, you've got to follow it follow it up by incident handling and all this other stuff that goes with that. So that's one whole other cybersecurity job that I had and a whole nother resume that highlighted all of those things that I know how to do. And that was like um, um, a little bit of digital forensics was in there. Some of the digital forensics tools was in there. I had uh, things like ArcSight. I could build an ArcSight system from scratch in two different kinds. I had a, um, you know, um, I knew how to do IDSs and IPS. This is a long time ago, so I forgot all that shit. But that was all on my one resume, right? And then my other resume highlighted all my GRC stuff. So I had two different resumes out there on and some some sites like Monster.com, Dice, Career Builder, and um, Dice.com all allow you to have two different resumes. Hell, you can just make two different accounts and do it, but they'll allow you to have two different resumes out there. So the employers could be like, they'll they'll find you based off of what skill set you focus on. Like Larry, let's say Larry's a cybersecurity guy. He could put, oh, I'm a security plus. I work with this and that team. We did incident response on this and that. And, and that's one resume. Right. And then on the title, he puts cybersecurity specialist. And then on another resume, 
Larry happens to be um, an eight-year uh, project manager, and he's led 15 different teams doing project management. He knows how Agile is. He knows what Scrum is. He knows what Jira is. He's you know worked with all of these different f- federal organizations. So you got two separate resumes, and one highlights one set of skills, and one highlights the other set of skills. You could even mix, mix and match and say on this one, on the very top, you have all of your, let's say, cybersecurity specialist stuff. And then you kind of mention offhand, oh, yeah, I also do project management, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, on the other one, you you focus on, on project management. And on the top, it says project manager is the title and you are PMP and you do scrum and all. And then in the bottom, you know, and you kind of put in, oh, by the way, I have a security plus and I know how to do X, Y and Z with security stuff and and implement patches and stuff. So I've done that. And that shit works. That shit works. Okay, let me see. Got some other stuff here. I've been talking for about a little over an hour, guys. So I'm not going to talk too much longer. So if you have any questions, just let me know. Um, Let me see here. Man, this dude Armani, man. This dude knows his shit, man. Thanks for that. I always appreciate people schooling people on this. Um, how do you get into the field without a clearance? Um, so there's a misconception that people have that they have to be, they have to have a clearance to get into cybersecurity, and that's just not true. So, first of all, I happen to be um, in the federal government, but you should know the GRC is across every industry. It's not just in the federal government. Um, you have it in the, the retail sector. You have it in uh, financial sector. You have it in the, in the um, manufacturing sector. Every sector, every every single sector has some form of GRC work, which is all security clearance, uh, security work, right? I'm going to get to clearance part in a second. And then you have different types of cybersecurity people. Um, you've got firewall guys or cybersecurity people. You've got uh, crypto guys, crypto analysts guys, crypto crypt, cryptographers, the guys who make crypto cryptographic modules, the guys who are real super smart math guys. They're technically cybersecurity guys. Um, you've got, um, hell, you've got software engineers who are cybersecurity people who look at the source code and make sure that it's secure. So it doesn't get hacked when they put it out there on a, on an app or something. Um, you've got people like me who do mostly policies and, and working with different organizations. But you've also got your your super high speed cybersecurity guys who everybody knows about. Your pen testers, your your hackers, your uh, you got digital forensics guys. Um, you've got all different aspects under this gigantic umbrella of cybersecurity. Now, some people would split hairs and say, well, if it's information security, then it's different from cybersecurity. Whatever, motherfucker. I don't care. Whatever. Right. I'm not talking about the whatever. Like right? I'm saying cybersecurity is a big field. OK, can we at least agree on that? All right. So, look, what I'm trying to tell you is not all of these jobs that I just mentioned require a clearance, a clearance not to be confused with cybersecurity, a clearance is for people who do classified work. Now, you might be thinking, well, Bruce, that's not necessarily true because you have to have a background check and you can have a trust, a public trust. Okay, public trust is not actually a clearance. It is lumped into a clearance, 
but it's not actually a clearance. Okay. And yes, you have to have a background check, but that's not also that's also not a clearance. So when we're talking about a security clearance, we're talking about secret, top secret, some kind of classified information where you have to have be read into a program. You have to be what do you call it. Um, you have to be briefed and say they'll set you aside and be like, listen, this is classified information. You know, um, have you ever been involved with terrorism? Have you ever they ask you all these questions or something? Um, not all jobs require that. Right. That said, most jobs do 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 a background check, but not that doesn't mean it's a clearance. I, I hope that that makes sense. Um, cybersecurity usually requires some kind of background check. And, there, and it, it makes sense if you think about it, right? It's kind of like your security guard. They don't want security guards at the bank being bank robbers. Does that make sense? You, you, know, <laughs> you know, does that make... They, because as a cybersecurity person, a lot of times you're going to be holding the keys of the castle. You're going to see their secrets. You're going to see the skeletons in the closet. You're going to see the big, ugly thing that's going on in the back end. Now, if you don't believe me, I have worked for banks, which I will not name, that I was a member of and just came to learn many things that I will not be telling the public about. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. <laughs> so they, they have to trust you, you know, because no no system is perfect right like no there's no perfect system um and they have to trust that they have to do a background check on you but that doesn't mean you, that it's a clearance so you can get into this field without a clearance that's a long way of answering your question um anyway so i've got a couple other um questions or comments on here one this one's coming from where is this coming from? Why don't we have no valuable information coming from? Coming, what is this? Twitter? Where is this? This is not Twitter. This is Twitch. Oh, man. Okay, I apologize. I'm not reading that shit. Okay. Um, also not expected by many is the amount of project managers that expect that's expected as an as an analyst. Project management is is the shit. I talk I talk a lot about that on this channel because I think it's very valuable. And the bigger the system is, the more important it is to have project managers on um, to help us to guide us through the process because it's just it just gets too big. It just get there's too many moving parts. There's too much stuff going on. Uh, so I found project managers whenever you have them in there project managers and program managers whenever you have them to guide you guide the process it's just way smoother uh when you don't have them it's just chaos it's just it's just chaos man does it make sense to make a career change in in it in your 40s yeah yeah of course uh, absolutely absolutely it does i mean i've found I'm in my 40s. I found that I basically have to make changes um, to way, the way I'm moving. Uh, the older I get, the more I have to make make changes. Um, 
couple of examples. Um, a lot of organizations will, will try to get me in a manager type position, and I am not interested in that. I am I am so completely not interested in that. But I am interested in getting sharper and in, in my in some of the things I need to know. I, I am very interested in that. I'm very interested in if they have some something where I need to level up technically. I'm I'm interested in that. Um, and if you're trying to go into IT from another field, I don't know. I think you're just being wise. Like sometimes some career paths are not are not as solvent or not as stable as this one. So I would just give you some advice in your 40s. Um, you're gonna be at at a um, bit of a disadvantage because some some people, there's pros and cons. One of the cons is you'll be at a disadvantage in that, uh, you know, some, some, the younger people have a, a huge leg up on you. I mean, we, we come from a, a time where there were no phones. There were no smartphones. So we just think different. We just think differently. If you happen to be in your forties, you know what I'm talking about. We think you sit down with some Gen, Gen Z and uh, even some millennials, um, and they just think totally differently, right? It's totally different. Like, I don't even, I don't understand it sometimes, to be honest with you. And some of it's good and some of it's bad. Um, So it kind of leaves you at a disadvantage in that they were born with these damn things in their hands. They have a natural understanding that we just don't, we have to it takes us a little bit more time to process it. Um, so that's one disadvantage, but not a huge one. A great advantage that you have is you have maturity, hopefully. Hopefully, not all 40-year-olds do. But you, you know, typically if you reach this age, you just have a level of maturity that some younger people just don't are not there yet. And uh and and cybersecurity really and IT in general needs needs that level of maturity. So I would say don't be discouraged. One thing I will say is that you might want to you might want to consider some of the offshoots of of IT like project managers. Project management is a really good fit for older folks cuz you have a level of maturity and communication skills that some people in IT don't have. So you have a huge advantage in that area. Um IT management, once you learn the ropes of what IT is, once you have the common body of knowledge, you can easily come in there and just rule the roost because you'll have a level of maturity that a lot of people in IT just don't have. Uh, they just don't have emotional intelligence. I mean, they, they, they're very brilliant, but many of them are just not very smart, if that makes any sense. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense to you, but um there's a lot of very smart people who are very stupid in IT. Does that make sense? Have you ever met a very smart person who was very stupid? There's a lot of those in IT. And so at if you've been blessed enough to be in your 40s or 50s um, and made it this far and want to make a career change, um, there's definitely room for you here. I will say they think very differently um, and you'll have an advantage of having a maturity that a lot of IT professionals do not have. You 
do have a learning curve in IT, especially if you're coming from a completely different career path, completely different. I'm not talking about project managers. I'm not talking about like you, you have as a project manager, you have some exposure to IT and how the organizations move. But if you're coming from I don't know, retail or something uh, and you're trying to do IT work, you've got a learning curve ahead um, that you're going to have to. And if you if you're up for that, cool. There's this one story. I don't I can't remember the guy's name, but this dude is a 50 year old mechanic, 40 or 50 year old. Actually, this one's worth me looking up. Let me let me just check this out because I get a lot of older folks, 40s, uh, 50 year olds asking me about this question. And let me just inspire you real quick. This dude was a 40 year old mechanic who became a doctor. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? He became a me a surgeon, not just any doctor. This dude became a surgeon. Um, and it's crazy. Uh, let me see. I want to find this dude's name because because he is all right. I think I found it. Yeah. So this dude's name is Carl M. Amala M. Allenby, and he became this dude. Hold on. Let me just let me see if I can find. Yeah, this story is crazy. So if you're thinking about changing career fields, and let me just tell you, healthcare is way, way harder than the average IT job. I'm not talking about if you're if you're a freaking crypto analyst like Bruce Schneier or some shit. That shit's really hard. That's like yes, a one of one type. Not everybody can do that shit, right? <laughs> He's a rare human being. There's some rare human beings doing that kind of stuff. I'm not talking. I'm talking about if you're doing just average cybersecurity IT stuff, you can do this. It's not going to be as hard as being a doctor or a nurse. That shit's hard. The stuff that you have to know is an order of magnitude harder than what we do. Um, and I'm not saying that what we do doesn't get complicated because it does. There's some upper level, level network engineering that gets crazy hard. There's some upper level mathematics involved with cryptography that's hella hard. There's some upper level super hard shit in uh, network engineering. There's some super, if you go high enough, it's going to get hella hard really fast. And, and not many people can uh, can swim in those depths. You know what I mean? So, but healthcare, as soon as you get to nursing, it's hella hard, hella hard. And this dude right here, and I'm trying to find his name. His name's Carl Allenby. Um, changed careers. Okay. He started in med school and in his 40s. And uh, let me see. He, Carl Allenby, made a midlife career after 25 years as a mechanic uh, and decided to trade his socket wrench for a stethoscope. And he became a doctor. So you can do it. You can do it. It's not going to be easy. I'm sure Carl did not find it easy. I'm sure he's a very smart dude, obviously. But you know that shit was hard. <laughs> you know that shit was hard. So that said, it, there's a learning curve with cybersecurity, but you can do it. If 40, 50, whatever. Larry, my man Larry. What's Larry saying here? 
Um, he says, as a cybersecurity professional, what are the characteristics you find most beneficial? Oh, that's a great question. When working with other professionals, technical and non-technical, soft skills, hybrid, technical, PM skills, etc. What characteristics do I find most beneficial? Okay, there's two that come to mind. This is an awesome question. So what, what characteristics do I find most beneficial um, when working with other, with other professionals? There's two that, that pop up in my head. Um, the ability to communicate with cybersecurity is super important. And uh, I did not know how important it was. And man, shout out to my mom who is a great communicator. And, and I think I get it from her. I'm a pretty good communicator. I know how to talk to people. I know how to calm people down. And my mom, I think I got that from her. Um, so communication is super important as a cybersecurity person. It's super. The, the, and then the thing is, if, especially if you're doing GRC work, I, I don't think the same can be said maybe about the firewall guy type. You know, the people who are working on the actual tools, the the hardcore dudes are in a closet doing cybersecurity because there are those guys. Right. There's the the guys who run the IPS and IDS or the firewall or they don't have to talk to humans. They can just, you know, go under the go under the in the closet and shut the door and not talk to anybody. But as soon as you start doing management, as soon as you start doing GRC cybersecurity work, man, emotional intelligence is very important. Because you got to talk to everybody and you're talking to all walks of life. You're talking to everyone and you're trying to get shit done um, and trying really you're trying to bridge gaps, bridge, um, bridge gaps between C-levels and uh, guys and technical guys in the weeds. And they speak different languages and have different emotional appeal and then different, you got to come at them different, everything. So emotional intelligence is super important and not spoken about, but it's very important to cybersecurity. The other thing would be problem solving skills, like the ability, one of my really good friends uh, who was a mentor of mine, um, this dude, really brilliant. There's been a couple, but one guy in particular, um, his problem solving skills were very, very good. And uh, I took a lot from him, the way he thinks, the way he would break things down and make them very simple to come up with a solution. That is a very, very good skill to have, because a lot of times, even if you don't have hands on, I personally haven't had hands on with much of anything um, in the last few years. Like I, I mess around with, with uh, scanning tools and um some cyber threat intelligence tools or something like that. But like as far as building a system or like maintaining it like I used to, I've done that in a long time. That said, I have to very quickly pick up the issues that are happening with our environment. Like we might have some issues happening with the servers communicating with the workstations or the workstations might have some vulnerability. I have to quickly understand what's going on and what the problem and the solution is, the root cause analysis, I've got to understand that very quickly, you know, or go back and read the freaking white papers on why, what's going on, or go to Microsoft or Red Hat's page and tell, and they're explaining how. So understanding the problem and the solution is important. Those two skills like pop out 
in my head of the most important things to have. Like if you have those skills on deck, uh, you won't have a problem doing uh, IT. Uh, you won't. It's especially cyber security. Um, those are the two that I found lacking in some of in some cybersecurity professionals who are not very good. They either cannot communicate well at all and make everything worse by throwing gasoline on problems. They make a they they take a campfire and throw gasoline on it, and then it's a forest fire. Like I've been, I've worked with cybersecurity professionals like that, and let me tell you, that shit is annoying. I hate working with people like that. And there's a couple of them that I've worked with, and it is a nightmare working with people like that. They come in there, guns blazing. And they think there, there's a new sheriff in town. I'm going to do everything like this. I'm not going to listen to anybody. And I know everything because I'm the smartest person in the room and throw gasoline on a campfire and burn the whole fucking forest down. That is the worst. It's the worst. I hate it. And then the people who just don't know, like at least be smart enough to know that you don't know. At least be smart enough to know that you're not a technical person. At least that. Don't come in there like you're the smartest person around and, and start saying a bunch of shit you don't know what the hell you're talking about and confusing everybody and then getting in there with a C-level exec saying some nonsense. It makes it's just ah. Uh, anyway, I hope I answered that question. Um, um I have an ISC2 cert, a CC cert. That's um, certified in cybersecurity. Uh, I'm law enforcement of 18 years. What do you recommend for my next step in GRC? Well, I'm also from a law enforcement type background. I don't have 18 years of experience of it. But what you'll notice is that a lot of physical security is very, very, very important to cybersecurity. Because if a person can have their hands on any system, server, workstation, what have you, then they can disrupt the mission that that system has, um, that supports. Um, so you, as a law enforcement person, as a security, physical security professional, you will pick up a lot of things from cybersecurity that somebody else might not. I'm sure you picked that up from the CC cert. As you get deeper into GRC work, you'll find that to be more and more true. Um, there's actually controls in the NIST 800, in ISO 27001, in PCI compliance that specifically point out um, the use of physical security and the importance of physical security. Any framework, cybersecurity and privacy law worth the salt will point out the importance of, cyber, of physical security. What is your next step? That is your question. Your next step is to get some experience. That's your next step. You're, you're getting the knowledge. That's great. Continue to gather the knowledge. But what you want to do next is focus on experience. Where Figure out where you can get your hands on a system to fix, your hands on a project to build. And if it's close to an organization, the, the closer it is to an organization, the better. Meaning if you are happen to be in school right now, if they have them on campus, try to be a working student. If you work at, let's say you're a, um, you're a uh, facility security manager or something like that, and you're doing mostly physical security, there's ways to get your hands on helping to patch systems maybe. 
Maybe you could help to patch systems. Um, find a way to get some hands-on experience doing IT, any kind of IT in, in initially, right? But especially security. But if you can get any kind of IT hands-on, that's going to really, really help you to fully, more fully understand the IT landscape um, and also broaden your, uh, your, give you a deeper understanding of the actual technology that you're going to be um, working to protect in GRC and govern its risk and compliance. Um, what things can you do? I feel like there's something you might, there might be something you can do as a physical security person doing GRC. It's a good path. You got to get your hands dirty. Get this physical suit. So like Armani said on this, on this live, he said, a lot of GRC, ISO people, uh, don't have the technical background. And so right now you need to get your hands dirty and get your hands, get yourself where you're fixing computers, um, setting up firewalls, setting up Wi-Fi, whatever, any kind of IT that you can do right now is what you want to start doing. That's where you want to go next. It's not going to be an overnight thing. When you're doing GRC, think long, think marathon, not a track meet. It's going to be a path that's going to uh, fully fund your lifestyle, your family's lifestyle, and it's a long distance run. Hope that helps. Um, I'm going to be getting off of this thing real soon, but let me... Let me do something real quick. I'm going to read some of the more, more recent uh, questions on here. I'm going all the way down to the bottom of the TikTok. Somebody asked me if I mentor people. No, I do not mentor people. I do not have time. Um, I'm, a, I'm an author. I'm a publisher. I just, all my time is spent doing that. I'm a I'm a father. You know, I, I just have I don't have a lot of time. That's why I only do these once a week. I would like to do these every day if I could. I like I actually like doing these from time to time. But at the end of the week, I'm, I have a full time job and uh, <laughs> I just don't have the cycles to do it. So uh, I wish I could. There was a time when I actually quit my job and did it. And um, it was it was fun. Um, let me see. But I do have a bunch of books. Like if you're interested, go to combocourses.net. I got some books out there. If you go to our, if you go to um, you can go to my site, download a bunch of stuff I I created and wrote. Um, downloadables, uh, templates, all kinds of stuff. There's free stuff I have on there. And if you go to Amazon.com, type in combo courses, you'll see a bunch of my books. In lieu of doing um mentoring i just start writing and that's something i really like to do and i could do it uh all the time what position do you suggest for starters on grc work it help desk it work i know that sounds counter productive to buy what you want to do but the smartest grc guys are help desk dudes dudes that used to be help desk because they started from the bottom and now they are here as the famous pop artist would say um was there before just uh i was here be i was there before just write your goal on a okay i don't know what that's he's answering somebody else okay let me see 
in IT for six, seven years now, help desk and now at the knock. How do I transition over to IT audit and GRC? Okay, this is great. You are my audience. Um, perfectly lined up with what, what I teach and what I talk about. Your resume is how you do it. With six or seven years of experience, you definitely already have tons of cybersecurity experience. You just got to put it on your resume. Um, you're trying to do GRC, the risk portion. GRC, governance, risk, and compliance. You say you want to do IT auditing. That's risk. That's the risk side that you want to do. So you want to highlight all your risk skills. So if, ever you've ever, if you've ever run a scan on your network, if you've ever participated in any way, shape, or form with the scanning of the network, if you've ever done vulnerability management, including helping to secure systems by removing or remediation of those vulnerabilities, put that on your resume. If you've ever done any of the following tools, if you know uh, Python, if you uh, have that skill set, put that on there. If you know um, uh, vulnerability management, uh, if you have used uh, tools, we're talking about tools. If you've learned, if you used uh, EMAS, Archer, GRC, Archer in any shape or way, shape or form. If you've used uh, CSAM, if you've used Jira, if you've used uh, what other tools? Any kind of scanning tools, Qualys, Nessus, um, any school, any tool whatsoever. I don't care if it was homemade, any kind of scanning tools. If you've used any kind of pen testing tools, if you've used any kind of um, any kind of uh, virtualization tools, any kind of tools like that, especially the security tools, put that on your resume. Um, if you Auditing, auditing. Uh, if you've done any kind of auditing of, of logs, if you've looked at logs before, if you've had to analyze log information, you want to put that on there. If you've turned audit logs on, if you've turned them off, if you've had to fix things with audit logs, anything with audit logs whatsoever, put that on your resume. These are all security things that GRC people are looking for, and you are prepped and primed to get a job in GRC because they are looking for you. And if you don't believe me, if you're like, Bruce, I've had my resume out there. I've been looking for GSA. You just haven't done your, your, you just haven't done your resume right. Download my resume. It's free to get an idea of what kinds of things you want to put on there. You want to put frameworks on there. Frameworks, standards, and, and uh, any kinds of uh, IT laws. And I'll give you an example. An IT law would be FISMA or would be um, if you've ever worked with a GDRP or any kind of any of those like laws that come from an, uh, a nation state or, or, or a local government, any kind of IT laws. Um, HIPAA is another one. If you could list those on your resume. Another thing, standards would be ISO 27001 is a standard. I think PCI DSS uh, is either a standard or a, a a framework or both. And then, of course, NIST 800, NIST CSF, cybersecurity framework, uh, any of those that you have any kind of exposure whatsoever, put those on your on your resume. That's going to help you to get in GRC. You might have exposure to it and don't even know it. So you might have to sit down with your resume and figure out. That's why I say download my resume, because it will give you a point you in the right direction. Another thing you can do, another great resource is go to LinkedIn and look at other people's resume who are doing exactly what you want to do 
and within the next five years. Look at their resume. Look what key words and key phrases that they are using on their resume. And then put that on your resume. Put the same wording on your resume. Okay, let me see. Been applying and getting no bites. Have a security plus and studied CISA. Do you have um, experience? Experience is really what they're looking for. Experience is really, really what you need. Experience is what they're really looking for. That said, you can get a local job. It's going to be a little bit harder for you uh, with no experience. But you got to highlight and focus on that experience. Now, if you're going to come back and say, well, Bruce, I have eight years of experience, man, your resume sucks then. Something something with your resume because I'm telling you they need people. I'm telling you, the the place I work for right now is giving us like $3,000 bonuses to pull in new people. I'm not even fucking with you. Um, we do not have enough people doing this work. That's It's a problem. It's really a problem. Uh, what position do you suggest for starters? Oh, I already read that one. Help desk. Help desk what, please? Help desk what, please? What do you mean? Just type, go to Google, type in help desk. Uh, what was the website again? Combo courses. Combo courses. Uh, link in description. Go to go to my, if you happen to be on YouTube, if you happen to be on Facebook, if you happen to be on TikTok, go to my profile. Uh, the link's in the profile. If you're watching me on YouTube, uh, link's description below. Convo, like conversation, like we're having now. Conversation, combo courses. Um, I just got my associate's degree in cyber. Congrats. Congratulations. That's awesome. Start uh, looking into, go to your college and see if they have any kind of uh, student, working student programs. Because the uh, experience is what you really need to get on under your belt. That's great that you have a degree. Not knocking it. That's awesome. But next, you got to get that experience. Uh, would you recommend ISC2 for cybersecurity? Yes. ISC2 is, is an incredible uh, organization. Now, if it's your first certification, security certification, I would recommend Security Plus which is from CompTIA. But that said, ISC2 is no joke. ISC2 um, has arguably the top cybersecurity certification, the CISSP, among others. And it's because they market their certification and their stuff so well. They're such a professional organization that they've been able to not only stay afloat, but do very, very well in the top echelon of any certification in any field. Uh, they're just, a, I don't know what the hell they're doing right. I think they just market stuff really well. Um, their presentation is has been flawless all these years. It's a great organization to belong to. Any certification from them is awesome. But if it's your first certification for security, I would say Security Plus because it's just the marketability of Security Plus is the best right now. Um where do you work? None of your business. <laughs> I work for the federal government. Um, 
I don't want to say what organization. It's a three-letter organization. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want, I don't, I just, I don't want that smoke. <laughs> uh, but I work for a federal government. Um, I like to talk like this. So if if I have a bunch of my coworkers following me and telling me what I can and can't say, that's going to bother me. I'm going to have to quit. I'm not going to be able to sit with that. It's not going to be cool. What company? Shit. Message me, I'll tell you. I don't, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Message me. Um, last time I told people I, I gave too many hints of where I work. Somebody, somebody I, one of my coworkers. <sighs> anyway, yeah, I'm not going to tell you. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> um, my nephew wants to start cybersecurity in high school. That's awesome. That's great. That's a great time to start. I'm about to finish school for cyber. Congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah, Armani, you are awesome, man. Thank you so much. Armani's been fielding questions for me, man. I appreciate you. Maybe you should come on here, talk with me, do a live, do this live with me. Does government pay well? No. The GS positions don't pay well. If you're a civil servant, they don't pay. They don't, let me put it to you this way. They don't pay comparable to the cybersecurity market. They're not going to pay what you might make as a contractor. That said, it's way more stable if you work directly for the government. Now, if you are a contractor working with the government, they pay pretty good. They don't pay FANG type money. FANG is like uh, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, um, Netflix, and Google. They don't pay that kind of money, but they the contracting that the contractors that work with the government pay pretty good, like six figures, a little below six figures type money. Um, in the government, it's they rarely make six figures. But they're, you know, 80, 75, 90, something like that. So it's not really comparable to what you will make in the outside of the federal government. If you're if you are a soldier or an airman or a or a Marine, you make you don't make as much at all. Like those guys do not get en enough credit because they're doing they're doing 10 times your work for for a third of your pay. Uh so yeah, like thank thank your local soldier, your airmen. They, they don't they don't get paid well at all. Well, they get great benefits though, and they get to they go to get to go on vacation and all kinds of hot locations. <laughs> I know I used to be in the military. Uh, first rule of GRC is is be don't know nobody talks about grc <laughs> first rules be cautious uh who you share what you share uh yes it's not really that i mean i could share it there's a couple a couple of the guys who i work with they're actually on youtube and they'll they'll say it i just like to talk see how i'm talking right here like i like this this kind of freedom is why i like youtube and, and why i like uh, social media this kind of like just openness i could just tell you what i really feel the company I work for is Fire. They're good. I've mentioned it on here before. They're, they're good. They're, they're good people. I've worked for, for worse companies before. Um, so I'm not um, hating on them or anything. It's just um, 
I just don't I want to have freedom. Right. And if if I tell eventually they're going to find out eventually the company I work for and possibly the government is going to be like, hey, we know who, you know. Oh, yeah, this is your channel. Like it happens every time. Every place I've worked for, they usually figure it out. And then everybody starts talking about it. And then I'm like, then I, I really can't talk shit. I, can't, I really can't tell you exactly how I feel with no filters. And that's what I like to do. If 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 the company starts fucking up, if the government starts fucking up, I want to be able to tell you exactly how I feel without a filter. But I, I don't want to feel like I'm going to hurt my job, which I need right now in my position with, with the company and all that kind of stuff. I want to, I want to stay exactly where I am with no changes. And the only way to do that is for me to not talk about who I work for and, uh, and stuff like that. Not yet. Maybe, maybe eventually I'll feel more comfortable talking about it and they'll find me, which they all, they do after about a year or two. Normally my coworkers find out like, Oh shit, I've, this is how I got this job is I listened to you. That's happened to me before. <laughs> that shit's happened to me. It's crazy. But uh, right now I just don't want to, I just, I, I like this freedom. So I don't want to, I don't want to fuck it up, man. I don't want to fuck it up. So um, let me see. I want to work for the DOD. I'm working on cybersecurity for G WGU and Homeland Security from Purdue. That's great. That's the that's the way to do it. They might have some internships for DOD, for DISA. DISA might have some internships for you. But I would say don't limit yourself to just DOD. Um, if you want to work for the federal government, there are some organizations you can work for that are better than the DOD. Um, keep your eyes open, but they have a ton of internships. You can go to Google right now and just type in internship federal government. And you'll find a whole bunch of them. Um, off the top of my head, I know the Department of the Embassy, the Department of State, those guys have some internships. And DISA also has some internships. But just open your open your mind to do more. You know what I mean? So. And I got to get off of this thing real, real soon, guys. I got to go somewhere. But, hey, thanks a lot. Thank you, guys. Everybody, thank you so much for uh participating in this i've got 50 people watching me on tiktok which i don't even know why you guys are fired it doesn't make any sense to watch this uh on tiktok it does it just i mean it's crazy but there you go and i got people every week like clockwork watching me on youtube and facebook and uh linkedin i appreciate it um and eventually the government and my job, the corporation I work for is going to know and be like, hey, don't you do? And then I'll have to change this format. I'll have to be like, I don't know, like maybe more PC or something. I, I have no idea. Anyway, guys, that's it. Um, I'll talk to you guys next week or maybe tomorrow. I don't know. Whenever I can. Um, see you guys next time. Hasta mañana. I am an ISSM. What do you... What do you do to deal with difficult coworkers under you? As a lead, would you let them go? This is a great question. This is a great question. I'm going to answer this last question before I let you guys go. Hmm, Mike. You know, this is why I'm not a manager. <laughs> oh man, this is why. You know, I had a I had a local business here once. 
and uh, had employees and um, I did not like it. I didn't like it. There's all kinds of extra problems I just did not want. So what would I do in a difficult? I think one of the best things you can do as a person is just be straight up with the person. And that's the hardest part about um, management. The best leaders I've had are the ones who are the most honest. And they were the most empathetic and the most honest with me. They would sit me down and they would give me, they would be straight up with me. And that's hard. That's hard to do, to tell somebody that they're being difficult, to tell somebody that um, um, to give, to articulate to people in a way that's not going to make them panic or take you to court or some stupid shit, to tell them the God's honest truth without being disrespectful. That is very, very challenging. And, um, but the best leaders I've had have been those kinds of people. And so all I can say is evaluate what you're dealing with because you might have to just, you might have to do some underhanded dirty shit and just get rid of them without talking to them, right? If, if it comes to that, if they're violent or something like that, then what's the use of talking to somebody who doesn't listen, right? But uh, if you, if they are, you're really trying to salvage what's going on, and you know you feel like they'll there's somebody you can list that will listen and maybe sit them down and just talk to them. Um, I remember in the military, I was given some supervisory type roles, and those were some of the hardest conversations I had to have with with different results. Um, I remember I had a I was in the military and I had some uh, some troops and I thought I could just be nice to all of them. I thought I could just be nice and 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 they would turn around. But what I failed to realize is that not everybody is like me. <laughs> and uh, there was different reactions. Like one guy was a complete dirtbag. And I try to sit him down and explain to him, hey, man, look, this is what's going on. You got to get your shit together. And he was complaining about everybody was the problem. He wasn't the problem. And he did everything. He was doing everything he could. And he had all these problems. And he just, that's why he was late. And and they're not giving him a chance. And I, and I said, look, I'll talk to them, but you got to get your shit together. And I did. I went and talked to leadership. And I said, look, this troop is having a really hard time because X, Y, and Z, right? And he has some family issues. Um, and they're like, what's it got to do with him being late? Like, come on. You know, like he could be on time to these things. And then they just they had a book of things that this guy was late for. And, you know, military, didn't, they don't fuck around with that stuff like that. And I said, look, he's not going to be late this time. Don't worry about it. And uh, I'm sure you can guess what happened next. The guy was late to everything. I even when I handheld him to each one of his appointments. And then finally, both of us got in trouble and uh, we were in front of the shirt. And this guy start crying and blaming me for everything to happen. And I was just like, what the fuck is happening? Right. <laughs> what the, 
what is happening? What's going on? Oh, my God. But another troop I had, he had a different response. I told him, hey, man, you got to get your shit together. You can't be late. Same thing. I sat him down. I said, look, I'm going to go talk to everybody about what's going on. And this guy wasn't late. He wasn't late again. He stopped. He stopped being late to appointments. He, he stopped making excuses. He came, you know, and everything I said about the guy, he came through. Didn't blame anybody. Didn't get me in trouble, whatever. I guess the moral of the story is it it really depends on each individual employee. It, it, it depends on each individual person, how they're going to respond. And if I could go back, what would I do differently? I would give I would still give the kid a chance. But if he fucked up again and got us in trouble and told me I'd be merciless. Because that's the only language some people understand, unfortunately. And it sucks, but um, some people don't understand. They just, the only thing that's going to kick them in the ass is life. And, it's, and, and in those cases, you got to get out of life's way and let life kick them right in their ass. And there is no choice. That's what the military taught me. Some people, they got to be kicked. Life itself the wrath of God has to come down and train them. And there's you if you get in the way of that wrath, you're going to get that kick, too. And sometimes you just got to get out the way and let life kick them in the ass. That's what I would say. So I don't know if that helps, Mike, but um, that's just one little bit of knowledge, the thing that I learned. <laughs> I don't know if that's nice or whatever, but all right, man, I got to go. How do I don't shut this thing? Shut this thing off. OK, there we go.